now I'm feeling at the moment super vulnerable, super on edge, um, and but also at the same time really, really open to being vulnerable, to feeling all the feels, to crying when I need to cry, which is sometimes just at the drop of a hat. Welcome everyone, welcome to Melbourne Reconnect. We're here in the Beyond Rest chill out space with Nick Dunnan, Kai Murray-Lowe, myself, Paul Medhurst, and our guest, Jackie Alexander. Welcome. Thanks for having me. I'm awesome. excited. And excited. the first woman on our podcast, so first we're very woman, excited. Yes. Awesome. First of many. Well, thank you. I feel very privileged. <laughs> um, in terms of the way we do it, usually I reckon a good starter for us is a little bio, mm-hmm. uh, just about the important parts or, you know, things that spring to mind from your life up to this point. Yeah. Uh, probably going to be, could be here forever, but there'll be things <laughs> that you think are relevant to this of discussion. Yeah. Um, from, I had a little look around about what was online, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I'll hand it over to you and you can kind of start okay. where it feels good for you. <sighs> okay. I'll try and keep it kind of succinct and to the point. Um, I... I guess I, I feel like I've had many different lives. You know, I, um, I'm i a mother of two kids. Um, I have a daughter who's 26 and a son who's 24. I had my kids when I was really young, so I was only 18 when I had my daughter. And I guess the way I'd kind of describe myself back then or, you know, throughout my life until I reached probably about 40 was I was just kind of living my life going through the motions, very unconsciously, very unaware, and obviously making a lot of mistakes or, you know, what have now turned out to be obviously learnings. I'm now aware of that. Um, But, yeah, it kind of took me on a number of different paths and a number of different directions. Eventually, I um, ended up uh, getting into a yoga practice through um, an injury on my left knee. So I had a full reconstruction, which I didn't manage very well after um, I had the knee reconstruction. And so I kind of became quite frustrated with myself physically because I couldn't sit back on my heels. It was really uncomfortable and painful. And so I just essentially wanted to get back flexibility and mobility into that side of my body. And so I ended up uh, practicing yoga just kind of on and off for a number of years and started to, you know, see the benefits. And at those sorts of times in my life, I look at myself as um, that kind of driving, pushing, you know, got to go harder and faster and, you know, don't slow down, like just keep going fast. And I was a runner and you know, used to run a lot as well. And so I guess my state of being was very um, unsettled. And I found that the practice of yoga helped to really settle me and calm me down. And as I started practicing more and more regularly, um, twice a week with my regular teacher, I then started to practice on my own at home. And it was just purely kind of by memory. So I would just kind of repeat a sequence that I remembered from classes. And as that started to become like a habit, a ritual in my life, I started to notice um, myself unravel 
a little. Um, I started to see myself a little clearer, see my environment a little clearer, and I fell in love with the practice. So it became a non-negotiable for me. So, you know, my Tuesday and Thursday nights were go to yoga. My every morning at five o'clock was practice for an hour and a half to two hours. And as I started going through this process, I started to observe my life going on around me and started to sort of uh, realise that I was in a really negative space, a negative environment, and everything, the relationships going on around me, the conversations that were being had were all in a very negative, egotistical kind of light. So... I slowly started to make changes. I separated from my husband at the time. We ended up um, getting divorced. And whilst that um, was a huge um, shift, I'm not going to say relief, but it was a huge shift for me to also move out of that relationship in a more conscious way, more loving way than what I had done in the past. Um, you know, I'd had previous relationships where it would just be basically, I'm done with you, I'm out of here, see you later, goodbye kind of thing, don't ever contact me again. Mm-hmm. Um, and and not really reflecting on those before going into the next relationship. So not kind of learning anything from it, a little bit, but not a lot, mm-hmm. not enough. So, so that kind of happened for me and whilst I felt really great personally, Um, At the time, I was working in a dental practice, Um, so I'd been in the dental industry for like 10 years managing practices, and for me, my work was just not fulfilling. So, you know, I could do what – I could manage practices really well, like with my eyes closed, but it just wasn't fulfilling me, and it was the one thing in my life that I felt um, the uncertainty was still there kind of thing. So – The great thing was is that the people that I worked for were super passionate about what they did. Um, You know, they love teeth and and I soon started to realise that teeth just weren't my passion and I needed to really fulfil that for, you know, that that gap um, that I felt was missing. And um, so anyway, I had uh, lunch with a girlfriend one Sunday afternoon and specifically she said to me, we're going to sit down, we're going to have a glass of wine, sit in the sun and we're going to nut out what it is that is your career path. Like let's just start brainstorming ideas for Jackie's career moving forward kind of thing. So I went over to her house. She was a um, a young mum, two young kids, couldn't really get out of the house to go and do things, activities, like yoga or Pilates and things. And so she'd practice at home just through videos on YouTube. So she said to me, um, I'm going to show you this awesome teacher on YouTube, Sadie Nardine. I think you really love her, you know, because she had crazy hair, side shave and all that sort of stuff. I thought she, you know, <laughs> I, think she, I think she thought it was relevant. Anyway, it, it like it works in magic. So I rolled out my mat. I'm practicing with this teacher on YouTube. Her child, her little boy is kind of running through my legs as I'm doing a downward dog. And then it was just that clarity in that moment of, oh, my God, this is it. I'm going to be a yoga teacher. I want to have my own business. I want to do my teacher training. I'm going to leave my job, you know, to open my own studio. And, you know, it was just one of those times in my life where it was just so crystal clear that I couldn't not listen to that voice. 
And so basically that's what I did. I enrolled in my teacher training, um, which was due to start like a month later. Um, I went on a, a really intense six-month course um, at a beautiful studio called Moksha in Bentley and did my teacher training whilst I still worked full-time. Um, my uh, work was just extremely supportive and loving of everything that I wanted to do, even though they knew that I would be leaving them eventually. Um, they helped me through that process. They supported me, encouraged me through it. Um, and so that's kind of what led me to, you know, want to open a studio. So amongst all that, um, my uh, partner, who's also co-founder and humming puppy, Chris, um, we would have these conversations about how I would want the studio to look and feel. And we started to kind of explore different studios to, you know, get get uh, feedback from him because he was very much the beginner at yoga. Um, and so whilst it was a huge part of our relationship was this conversation around having a studio. So whilst, as I said, Chris is a beginner at yoga, he has a strong uh, meditation practice. So when he meditates, he'll feel different vibrations um, in different portions of his body, ma mainly in the temples, which, you know, as you guys know, is not um, abnormal. It's kind of quite um, normal to experience through meditation. So he was having a drink at a bar with a mate one night and he could feel the floor underneath him vibrating um, from the bar fridges. And he sort of came up with this idea to inject frequency or vibration into the room whilst you practice yoga to enhance the experience and on uh, 14th of January uh, 2014 and uh, we didn't realise it was Valentine's. We went to our favourite little restaurant and realised it was Valentine's. It was a little crazy and cheesy but it was okay and so he presented me with this idea and, um, and I had had some experience with the Himalayan crystal singing bowls which have different uh, frequencies um, aligned to the chakra points in the body. And so we started this whole conversation of, uh, you know, sound healing, sound therapy, um, and we went on this whole journey. We decided to obviously open Humming Puppy together, um, and that's where the idea or, you know, for us was kind of spawned, was on that day. And so here we are now. I love, I love the fact that Humming Puppy, one of the coolest and most unique experiences you can get within yoga when you're lying there with the frequencies. I guess we'll get into the frequencies in a second. was yeah. actually born out of like the idea was born from a pub. Yeah. Like, <laughs> no, it's, so cool it's a very Aussie thing, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Can you tell us a little bit about the frequencies just while we're there? Yeah. So, um, so as we sort of started going on our journey, we um, through – figuring out what sounds and what frequencies to use. We initially were going to, we're thinking of designing a yoga sequence um, that started, that works through, each posture works through or activates a different chakra point. And so we were going to design, you know, uh, palettes or musical palettes that uh, work through those different chakra points as you work through the sequence. Anyway, all the research we came up with was just way too um, – nothing was clear about what poses to use, what frequencies to use. So it was all a little – it was just too much. It was way too overwhelming and nothing was, you know, uh, focused or centred around 
you know, one specific frequency for each pose and each chakra. So the advice that we got was to work with um, 40 hertz, which is a gamma brainwave frequency. So it puts you into that really meditative focused state of mind. So everything in the brain is firing, but rather than being scattered, it's like playing this beautiful kind of symphony. So that was our advice. So we're like, okay, well, 40 hertz um, is a really low kind of deep frequency, um, which is audible to the ear. But then the other frequency we were also told to use um, was 7.83 hertz, which is known as the Schumann resonance. Um, So very grounding, very earthy kind of frequency um, with the aim to ground you into the experience. And uh, the Schumann resonance is really hard to find because of our architectural environments, computers and air conditioning units and TVs and things like that. So you really do have to go out into nature and quite far into nature away from built up areas to experience that feeling. But we all know what that feeling is like when you do go out into nature or you put your feet on the sand and, you know, how that kind of resonates through your body. Um, But it's not audible. So when we decided to work with 40 hertz, um, we were working with um, Arup who designed our Melbourne studio um, and they put us in contact with a composer who would be able to compose our hum um, as well as all the um, compositions that go over the hum. So the hum is an actual recording of me playing one of our Himalayan singing bowls and they detuned it to 40 hertz. But there's also a really subtle underlining tone of 7.83 hertz added into there as well. So the two frequencies combined aim to provide you with almost like a really meditative grounding focus sort of state throughout the practice. So that's the hum. Beautiful. Yeah. And is that does that play at all because you've got the studio in Sydney and in New York yeah, as well? So is that played, the same resonance throughout? Yeah, so it plays throughout all studios, yeah. We used to have music compositions that we would play over the top of those that were specifically designed not to interfere with the frequencies or distort the hum. Um, but as we started to... Um, I guess one thing in our Shala, our studio itself, is like we like to keep it very um, uh, void of any distractions. So there's no mirrors, it's very dark, um, it's very simple. Um, and so we kind of look at it as like we stripped back another layer of, of things that people have to focus in on or hone in on by taking away those compositions. So it's purely just your practice, yourself, the hum, and nothing else kind of layered over the top of that. Mm. Yeah. Awesome. I had a couple of questions that sprung to mind from your bio. Yeah. I was particularly interested in the way you described um, your yoga practice starting to kind of open you up or kind of expose yourself to yourself, I think Mm -hmm. you said in that type of way. Um, Can you kind of take us into that a little bit more in terms of that, you know, however that process unfolded for you, what you saw, how that reflected in your body and how you've kind of taken that with you in your – Yeah. In in, in what you've made with your studios? So I guess the the first thing I kind of noticed was that – Yoga made me feel good. Like my practice just made me feel really good. And there was 
kind of like no other way. I find even when people ask me this, there's no other way for me to describe it, but it just made me feel good. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and I would, I remember like going into work and, and talking, you know, with other dentists and all the people that I worked with was like, yeah, I practiced my yoga this morning. Like that, that is my thing right now. I'm, I'm not running anymore. I'm walking or I'm yoga. I'm like slowing down. Everything's just slowing down. And so I kind of just reflect on it as I just started to, um, you know, do become the observer. Mm-hmm. And so these are actually things that I only really learned in my teacher training but things that kind of naturally unfolded as I was going through the process about being that observer. Like I didn't know what being the observer was, but it was the only way I could describe how I started to um, step back from my life a little and just observe. Mm -hmm. Um, So I knew that something was shifting in me. Mm -hmm. I couldn't put my finger on it at the time. Um, I knew it was... um, you know, perhaps a spiritual evolution of, mm-hmm. of some sorts. Some might say it was a, um, a midlife crisis. I don't know. My, I'm sure my ex would say that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was something that I couldn't really understand. I just knew it was something that I felt. And I also knew that I couldn't not listen to it anymore. Um, I could not listen to the signs. I couldn't not um, feel what I was feeling. And... And I'm also very grateful for that partner that I had at the time because um, he was very unlike other partners. So I felt safe enough to be able to feel what I was feeling and to be able to express to him, this is how I'm feeling. I can't explain it to you. Whatever I'm going through, I don't know, but I'm just telling you how I'm feeling. Um, And so as I stood back from my life and started observing, I I really did stand back in a very definitive way. I can see myself in so many conversations of just removing myself from the conversation and just listening, like listening really carefully to the language that was being used, um, to the tone that was being taken, um, to, um, you know, noticing my reaction but not reacting Mm -hmm. to the conversations and the tone and the and the stories that were kind of going on but rather going okay well how how is that all sitting with me um so I just started doing that at home and then I also started doing it when I was at work so you know not getting involved in all the you know the lunchroom chatter um just listening and and holding space for my team to just I guess in a way just vent or just get out what they needed to get out but not engaging in that, um, you know, that gossip um, because I started to realise that it's all it's all negative, it's not helping anybody and all it is is feeding that same cycles and those same sort of cyclical patterns that we all go through. And so now as I kind of move through my life, I am much more aware of how I am in situations, how I react. Um, And so rather than um, being very reactive is how I would describe myself in the past of getting super angry, super annoyed. Um, I'm able to just sort of sit, 
and observe my thoughts um, and then approach whatever needs to be approached in a much more um, thoughtful um, thoughtful and loving way, I guess I would definitely say. And I'm able to also listen to my intuition a lot more. So my intuition is a lot stronger mm-hmm. um, and I just have to learn to trust that more and more. And, you know, that's just still an evolution for me as well. Um, but, yeah, it was a really interesting process to go through and, you um, you know, and I, I know I had moments there where the, the clarity of, you know, being in that relationship was so clear that I was not supposed to be there. It was almost an overwhelming rush of energy is this is not where you're supposed to be. And it was so loud. It was so clear to me that I had to kind of move on. And as I moved on, um, I did that in a much more loving way to what I had done in the past and, you know, hopefully have, you know, left that in a good a place as it possibly can be, um, which to me was really important as well because that was a process I was going through of how do I do this differently. Um, So there was a lot of stuff that came up for me. It was like, okay, this is the way you've been doing things for so long and it's not working. It hasn't been working, so how do you do things differently from here on? So it was really like a lot of um, deep internal questions going on. Um, the other thing that kind of really helped me was um, in my work, we ended up um, going through a dental management program, which was aimed to you know build the business and sort of, you know, have a sustainable dental practice into the future that could be passed on to the generations and so forth. And it was like a three-year program. And so say, let's say every six months or something, your whole team would have to go to these kind of little mini conferences with other dental practices and they'd take you through the program like step by step. And one of the things that they um, got us to kind of consider and, and work on was building relationships with your patients. And it was just like this step-by-step process of how to build a relationship with your patients, how to figure out what their motivators and concerns was, were, and then to tailor your conversation to their motivators and concerns. So, you know, a lot of active listening, um, you know, and a lot of these sorts of things come through in other business processes. And so, But what it really started to show me as the years went on, as we were going through this course, um, my boss, who's a really close friend of mine still to this day, we started to realise that this was far more than a dental practice management program. It was a spiritual program when you kind of go right into the depths of it. And so it really helped me to start asking myself those same questions and to start building a relationship with myself, which I don't think I really ever had. Mm. Um, so, you know, what do I want? What, what motivates me? What concerns me? Um, and really listening to those, those questions that come up all the time and answering them, not just kind of pushing them away, but, you know, really kind of listening to the inner voice like within you. So that was another really helpful process in um, and a really significant um, step in helping me to evolve, to get out and mm. to see myself more, more fully. Mm. I think it's, I always find intuition or guidance an interesting topic because it seems to operate so differently in different mm. people. Yeah. Like we call it 
the same thing, but how that kind of um, how that operates in us individually, I find mm. interesting. Um, I think even amongst us all, we'd all have a we, we've all got intuition, but we probably um, talk about it differently. Mm. I mean, in, what's your experience of intuition, Nick? Like, how does it how does it work with you? When are you when is it clearest? Um, um, yeah, good question. In terms of my intuition, I think it's probably like anyone. It's just removing all distractions and when I'm probably not so much in my head because I'm a very heady business person that goes forward and drives, as you know. And I think for me when I just begin to, yeah, I begin to meditate and then after I meditate, then I might be a little bit more into my feelings and I do a lot of my meditation on feeling. I might have mentioned this before in um, another podcast but for me, I need to feel a lot more because I'm very much in my head as opposed to my heart. So so for me, intuition is an interesting one and, you know, don't want to talk about float tanks but float tanks for me 10 years ago was the first time I went, oh, what's going on? There's mm. a bit more than me going out there as an ego male dominated alpha male trying to dominate mm. the world. And, um, you know, through float tanks that helped me get in touch with my intuition and doing a yoga practice, funny enough, was number two for me. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the second part of my kind of, you know, opening up to get a little bit out of my head and not worry about what others wanted me to do. And I think we were talking about just before we came on here that we can still get sucked in regardless of how, <laughs> where we are in our life and yeah. running humming puppies or beyond rest and these kind of things that we can still get caught into chasing some something you know that society or external forces really you know or we believe external forces want us to do as opposed mm. to what we truly want to do so i think in a roundabout way of saying or answering that intuition question i think for me because i'm so head i'm so heady heady <laughs> um you know it's very much in the head in the way that i drive that i need to slow down meditate do nothing for 10 minutes works really well for me and just sitting there and doing nothing and then just begin to go okay i really wanted to say this on this email to this person before would i say it this way now no mm -hmm. okay and then so for me that that helps of either go and meditate put on the calm app do a little calm meditation app sit quietly within myself to begin to feel you know my astral body my heart um, so that that works for me. Um, everyone's different. Everyone's got different types. Um, you know, bodies that they, you know, your physical, your astral, or your mental that you're associated with. And for me in particular, it's my mind. So I just need to get into my heart. But it could be unison for for everyone else. So that's the way I kind of go about getting about out you, of Kai, it. Any share your sort of sense of that? Yeah. Look for for me. It generally. It's easier to see. It's easier to find when I'm feeling healthy physically. Um, so whenever whenever I drop out of things, whenever I'm not doing a lot of training or my diet's gone out the window or that sort of thing, I tend to find it gets clouded quite easily. And it's very hard to it's hard to see, and it's very easy to miss as well. It's something that w when it's not there, it's it's not even obvious to me. And it's those moments where I've been training hard for two months, my diet's clean, I'm in shape, and I'm getting some sun, and that sort of thing, where you start seeing that intuition start coming through. You can start acting on it a lot, lot easier. Um, yeah. Whereas for the most part, for me, at least in the past, it's always been very foggy. And that was when I when I did 
like lose a lot of weight and things like that and got myself in shape. That was one of the biggest things I noticed was how much better my decision making became mm. and how much more, not force, how much more um, like action I was taking. Like this, I was actually making harder decisions, not just going with the flow as much. And I still find that drops off like over Christmas periods when I go on holidays, I come back, I'm in a fog for two weeks. And there's, there's definitely a, a physical component going on there. There's a, there's a real chemical component going on in the body, but I find that that, you know, that, that doesn't mean it's not a spiritual one as well. doesn't mean those two things aren't linked. And sort of being able to move away that fog and actually sort of clear that up a little bit, it helps, it helps absolutely tremendously. But, you know, floating helps with that, meditation helps with that. When I do actually show up to yoga classes, that helps <laughs> tremendously for that when I can sort of bring myself to go through that torment. But, um, yeah, that'd be, that'd be my take on it. Awesome. Jackie? Yeah, I, I actually, what you were saying, Nick, really resonates with me because I think I do get right in my head like way too much and I think my practice has what ha- is what has helped me to listen more clearly. Mm-hmm. You know, like even my first intention of wanting to come to yoga was listening to my body and saying, I can't do this right now. I can't, I can't sit back on my knees. I can't you know, I can't even do child's pose. I couldn't do child's pose to begin with. But as I started to get into my body more, mm-hmm. I started to listen to more to the lessons that it starts to just bring up for you of, you know, of taking care of yourself first and foremost. Um, and then, you know, and all the things that I kind of, you know, talk about like in my teaching is like, all right, well, where is there resistance? Where is there a challenge? And then how do you react to that? You know, do you avoid it or can you sit with it? Um, and, you know, I think the practice has helped me to, um, in a similar way to you, is just kind of sort of go, okay, well, that email has really annoyed me right now and I would like to say a number of things, but... How do I how do I approach this in uh, a non-reactive way that is going to maybe damage um, someone's view of me or um, damage a relationship um, and do it in a much more considered way and and take the view of the other person as well mm-hmm. um, and so yeah through my practice of being. Um, it's taken some time as well. What I found is like when I was working for someone and I was just practicing, it was really easy for me to kind of stay in the zone. But as you open businesses and I mean, I don't know if you get it when you float, sometimes you're just thinking about all the stuff that you need to do. And sometimes that has many times that's how I've been in practices is when just so in my head that I can't, can't feel anything, you know, as I need to. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like I'm, you know, in a much more um, grounded um, state when I can be on my mat and just practice for myself um, and just be in my body and just listen to my breath um, to just kind of calm me, you know, and settle everything down and just be um, in that space. Um but, yeah, I think that, um, you know, all those sort of tools that you get from your practice and um, are really invaluable to helping you stay grounded and present mm-hmm. um, and in a, you know, really settled and not so up in your head and with your thoughts and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Mm. 
Yeah, I think it's really important that any practice, you know, any form, you know, Melbourne Reconnect is the theme of what we are talking about here. Any way that you look to reconnect with mm. yourself, that that practice doesn't just stay as that practice, whether it's yoga, whether yeah. it's a walk in the park, whether it's walking on the beach. It doesn't have to be a spiritual practice. Mm. But if you're looking to find a way to connect, I think it's really important that that connection flows back out mm. into your life. I mean, that what what what's the point of it of otherwise? Course. And I think it's really easy to fall into, you know, hiding in trying to connect. I know mm-hmm. I did it for a while, you know, spending – I'm not saying that you you got to follow impulses – impulses to spend long times in meditation if that's what is really there for you Mm. but at some point I feel we're in a social setting we've got to come back out and and relate and those insights have to be kind of integrated with absolutely with your life so um, I suppose that's something that you'd get a lot of enjoyment seeing that in your students you know coming in god it's like the best bit Mm. it's the best bit you know and I, because I look back at myself of how I came to the practice, and it was for for physical reasons. And then you see, you know, students come in for the same reasons. You know, I've been told yoga is good for me. That's why I'm here. And they do a few classes, and they're like, "Oh my god!" Like, I don't know why I didn't do this sooner. It is really beautiful to watch it unfold. And what I would say as well, it's really nice in this kind of Western kind of society of yoga is it's really beautiful to see men connecting to the practice as well and seeing the benefits and, you know, bringing their friends and practicing together and because it's such a female-dominated um, activity mm-hmm. in, the, in the Western world, it's really great to see men connecting to that. Um, what do you think that is? out of interest because I know that when I first started doing yoga, I don't know, way back when, seven, eight years ago, I just was like, well, I was a single guy and I was like, well, this is probably not too bad from yeah. a single guy perspective <laughs> here looking at I know, 100, right? 100 girls here you and think there'd be like, more men. guys and yeah, I'll take this, you know, but yeah. why Why is that? What, you know, I know it's, I know it's changed a bit in Hummingpapi, you can see three or four, let's say there's 50 students, you might see yeah. three or four or five guys, so it's kind of picked up a little bit. Yeah, it's really it's really nice to see. I'm not sure why. I, th- I, th- I also think the men come in by default with their partners it's mm-hmm. um, or if, um, you know, they've been told go and do some yoga, it'll help to complement if they've got the right practitioners that are kind of, you know, on the yoga path. Um, but, yeah, I'm not sure why. I don't know if it's the, the conversation about yoga and meditation is so much more prevalent these days that, you know, everyone's kind of connecting to it a little bit more and being open to connecting to it and, and not thinking that it's something um, that is just for for women or old older women or, you know, pregnant women or I, I don't know. But I guess like with everything, maybe it's just that the conversation is so much more um, prevalent these days, which is really great. Mm. You know, we're all talking more about yoga and meditation and mindfulness and floating and, you know, all those things that can he- keep us grounded and keep us, you know, present and living more consciously. Yep. Mm. Perhaps there's a, a stigma there, would you say, across like guys, like yeah. in terms of like, you know, oh, mate, let's instead of, you know, the way of getting rid of anxiety is going to the pub or hanging out with mm. your mates or whatever it may be around so many different options we've got, especially within Melbourne here, that guys can go at the end of the day and as opposed to 
you know, dealing with a stressful week to go and let's go do a 4.30 p.m. humming yeah. puppy yoga yeah. session or, a, you know, or a float or whatever it may be. It just is, it, you know, there is a stigma around mental yeah. health for guys. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. But I think that, you know, health and wellness is is a thing, you know. Yeah. It's, it's a really huge, almost like a huge movement these days. And, um, yeah, it's great to see that, you know, men just aren't kind of, you know, your, your typical Aussie bloke deal with it kind of, it's it's a little bit more thoughtful and a little bit more considered and intentional these days. Um, and it's great that the conversation is there um, amongst the community to encourage men to kind of come. Because the thing is, is like I, I also don't think that men realise how strong they are, you know, in their own practice and what they're capable of. Um and it's really lovely to see them connect and, um, you know, and, and feel into the practice um, and be open to, you know, the lessons and, and the tools that they can take away um, when they step off the mat as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it's something worth forcing anyway because no. you, can, you can go into a yoga class and have exactly the same person doing exactly the same moves but yep. if, you're not, if your heart's not in it or it's not the right time, yep. it's going to... It's not going to hit you where it needs to. So I think you'll be drawn to whatever activity you're drawn to at the right time. Um, That's not saying that you can't take positive steps to reconnect, but it just might not manifest itself in. Mm. Yeah. There's lots of different things. Funny enough, I've been in, uh, I've been out of a yoga phase. Like I was in a big yoga phase for many, many years. And I've just recently been the last year and a half been in CrossFit doing that or maybe a little bit longer but, you know, more so in that. And then for me, you know, maybe a phase I'm maybe just getting out of now. Maybe I'm going to probably head back to the mat mm-hmm. um, just because my body some days I'm thinking, I don't know if this is good or not. <laughs> Kyle would have some opinions on that but, um, you know, on the CrossFit sides of things. But for me, doing CrossFit and chatting to a lot of people, I think there's different ways that people can get out of their head mm-hmm. And for me, sometimes running around for 30 minutes like a crazy, stupid person within a warehouse, throwing things around and jumping up and down and doing all those things that CrossFit people do, you just, whatever I was freaked out about with my email, we talk about getting access to your intuition. Sometimes my intuition intuition's really strong mm-hmm. post-CrossFit. Like I caught up with a guy last night who had a float and I just did CrossFit and I came in and chatted to him. He goes, oh, you're so calm. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, you know, and I think there's something about that. So I think, you know, just like a yoga practice, I'm not saying one is better than the other. Mm-hmm. It's just different flows. Like I would of have course. never done CrossFit a few years ago and I don't think I would have appreciated it, whereas it probably took my floating, my yoga, my meditation practice to then be more mindful while I'm doing CrossFit. And for me, it is another thing so you can – get access to your intuition or have your own practice through many ways. Yeah. Mm. I think it's, from my perspective, it's something that you cultivate. Like practice makes perfect in the sense that if you just keep throwing your heart and soul into something, doesn't matter what it is, it's going to bear fruit. Yeah, And I think intuition and connection is exactly the same. Um, It should become easier in some respects as you go on because – You've put the hard work in. Mm. So I think that makes sense to me that you would go blast yourself in CrossFit and then there would be a felt sense of, you know, like more of a seamless connection because of the fact that you've, you know, you've been actively looking to better yourself and, mm. and this type of thing. So um, would that be a statement that you agree with? Do you, yeah. do you kind of 
find that embodying intuition or any of that type of thing becomes, you know, that's what in many ways what we're talking about, paths lead to that becoming more sort of it's here, it's tangible, it's in my body, it's kind of functional in this world. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I know like, you know, looking at my past and my, my progression through, I guess, like physical activity, like running, I used to look at running as my meditation. Um, but I also look at that as running was something that I always wanted to do. Like I always wanted to be able to run. And then when I started doing it, it became my meditation and it was this daily practice that I, I had to get out there in nature and, um, and do my running meditation. Um, but then as I started to transition and slow down into, you know, walking and into yoga, I started to observe that really the running for me was running away from so much in my life. It was mm. um, a symbol for me of running away, which is what I'd always done, like just ran away from situations and just wanted to move on to the next best thing kind of thing. Um, and so yoga then started to open me up in a much uh, more thoughtful way. Um, and so now I'm also kind of almost coming full circle again where I'm feeling like I need more physical uh, like cardio activity mm. which when I decide to <laughs> when I find the time when I create the time in my day I know that I will approach that in a much more mindful and thoughtful way for myself that will um, be very different to what it was or how I compare it to last time when I was running away from everything. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, and, and we all, I think we all go in cycles of, you know, something works for us, something doesn't work for us and, oh, but then we come back to it again and, you know, even at the moment I'm, I know that I also need to, whilst I need to be more physical, more cardio strengthening for myself, I also need know that I need to do more meditation. So it's kind of like just sort of feeling into that and yeah. um, and observing those from a much more um, present state of being and, mm. and just feeling into that. Yeah. Yeah. I can relate in the same way. Like run, running for me is exercising my will. I find yeah. that sometimes in my life when <clears throat> I'm just not finding the will to commit to things or to really have a crack in some area yeah. of my life, if I just – run and mm-hmm. show myself that push through, you yep. know, like it, it, it's sweating, it's it's very labour intensive. Yeah. You can really fall back on that sense of, oh, there's always a point in there where you want to stop. Yeah. And I find that as we talked about, it just kind of flows into your life. All of a sudden there's a bit more will to kind of just, you know, make more of an effort or yeah. set a higher standard at work and whatnot. Yep. And yoga sort of tends to be more of a passive go mm. with the flow type thing, which I love. Um, but at times don't necessarily do a lot because mm. I feel that I am going with the flow. You yeah. know, I kind of need to put my foot down here a bit and yeah. give myself a kick up the ass and yeah. kind of just go and sweat it out. So I don't know if that kind of is interesting to, to you guys or... Um, yeah, definitely, definitely. I think there's a lot to that. It's exactly what I got out of CrossFit and what I've got out of doing yoga and, you know, I think that there's a lot there, especially those, what do you call it, the... Um, you got the mellow, you got the unified, unified and the dynamic. The dynamic. Yeah. When you walk in the dynamic and then you get 
You know, ready what, to work. what's the practice within yoga that seems the most hardcore? Like I've done a few. It's not so. Yin is the yin is the yin simplest. is the um, most passive. Most passive, and then, um, and then I guess I mean it all stems from Hatha yoga, but I guess like. Ashtanga yoga Ashtanga, is that's yeah. a very strong practice, but also like Jiva Mukti is really a really strong practice as well, a strong lineage. Um, but yeah, they're they're very much the make you work, you know, um, and they'll push you, you know, to your limits. Um, but it's also, you know, I find this kind of knowing which class to put myself into at what time. Like sometimes I know when I'm avoiding that dynamic practice, mm -hmm. but it's probably when I need the biggest mm -hmm. kick up the backside mm -hmm. to like kind of push through, like move, shift that energy. But then there are, in, you know, then I know there are times where I'm like, oh, I'm just, you know, I'm just going to do mellow. I'm just going to hang out in this space. And it's like, no, 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 but you need to be doing dynamic. Like you need to shift some energy and, um, and vice versa, you know. Sometimes it's like everything's just way too dynamic and I've got to like slow down. So just kind of listening listening to that um, as well as it comes up for me. Mm. Mm. And I think that's probably the beautiful thing about the yoga practice there and something that I, I probably never really did too much because I just always like doing the mellows, yeah. you know, and I always did the chilled yin and, you know, because yeah. I was always doing something active on the side, whereas when we talk about blasting myself at CrossFit, or going for that big run, doing a hardcore Ashtanga. Yeah. You know, or, um, you know, intensive um, as you know within within Humming Puppy. But there's something about that that probably you get the same effect where you just have no yeah. chance. What? Because when you talked about before that sometimes your mind can be racing about work. Would that be in a mellow or unified class versus like a dynamic? Um. Would you find that that happens in dynamic? Uh, well, I find it's probably more mellow where there's a bit more space. Yeah. So with dynamic, it's easier to kind of just, okay, well, we're just going to keep moving here. So, mm -hmm. you know, for me anyway, I can tend to stay in my body, but then there are times where it's like, oh, I don't want to do this anymore kind of thing. It's like, no, nah, that's too hard. I'm, I'm going to take the easy option kind of thing. So there's, you know, it happens in both, to be honest with you. Um, and it just depends how... Um, how centred I can be on my breath to just keep me, you know, really, really grounded in my body and not allowing the mind to kind of take over mm -hmm. and drag me away from that centre. Um, but, yeah, often the mellow classes, are there's, there's space. You know, the teacher isn't necessarily talking all the time. You're holding a pose for a couple of minutes and you're just sitting with that, you know, and it's like, okay, we'll just sit here, just be with your breath. Um, Which is very challenging for a lot of people to do nothing. Super, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Shavasana, it's like one of the hardest poses because how often in, in your day do, does someone say to you, just lie there and do nothing, you know? When people don't know what to do with that. It's very uncomfortable. Um, but then, you know, there are a lot of people that are like, obviously, like, this is the best I mean, for me, it's like the best pit of the practice, especially when you've done dynamic, you've worked so hard. It's like this is your reward at the end to just let it, like completely just let it go mm -hmm. kind of thing. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's challenging, all of it. <laughs> just on different days it will bring up a different challenge, mm -hmm. you know, a different perspective. You said before with your past relationships there was like a, a wanting to kind of move on yeah. um, and then 
for me, what I find um, difficult and an ongoing process in myself is whether it's work, whether it's in a relationship, whether it's in any aspect of my life is when is it the right time to dig in, mm-hmm. work through stuff um, and when is the right time to move on because sometimes, you know, I think we've talked about in other podcasts, you can fall into either of them. You can just end up constantly excavating and mm-hmm. going nowhere and kind of telling yourself that, oh, no, you know, this is what I kind of need to do. Yeah. Um, and then if you can go the other way, then you're just constantly skipping over and you're not really going deeper into your own yeah. issues. Um, can you talk to talk, talk yeah. about that? That's a tough one. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So like I said, I've, I've had like a number of relationships where, you know, I guess particularly, you know, the relationship that I had with my children's father, um, you know, Probably that's like the deepest reflection where you kind of go, if I had been a different way or if I knew what I knew now back then and I how, would I have sat in that space for a little bit longer? Would I have, you know, put in a little bit more effort, um, done things a little differently? Unfortunately, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. Um, But it's something that I do, I have thought about in the past. Um, And on reflection, you know, as I look back now and I see that nothing has really changed for that person, Um, the the language, the behaviours are still very cyclical and just kind of keep repeating over and over again. I know that that was the right decision to have made and that I probably couldn't have done anything to change who he was or who he is. Um, But, yeah, there there are often times where you kind of go, am I – do I keep plugging away at this or do I move on and and, and what do I do? And – and I think for me, um, you know, as time went on and as I matured and opened up and became more conscious of how I was living my life, it became easier for me to know when it was wrong and when I needed to get out. So like I was saying before, you know, when I had the overwhelming feeling of I'm not supposed to be here, mm-hmm. I need to leave. Um those sorts of things become clearer and clearer to me. But there are definitely times where, you know, you see the value in a person or a relationship or what they're offering to you. Um, Yes, they might challenge you. um, And, you know, I kind of go, well, all right, what do I need to learn from this? Mm -hmm. And have I learned enough? And are we repeating the same cycles? Are Are we dancing the same dance? And is this just going on and on and on. How many dances do we want to take kind of thing um, before we go, that's enough. Um, And I feel like I am getting clearer and clearer as I go on in my life um, and I'm becoming much more um, discerning about who I put my time into and who I don't. Um, And I think from that, then invites 
more people who are on your wavelength or on your level kind of thing or like-minded mm-hmm. to you rather than feeding um, those that aren't, you know, uh, on your same page, I guess is what yep. I'm trying to say. Um, but, yeah, I guess it's, it's, it's something that, that comes up a lot um, in different situations or, you know, where we think, well, do we keep, do we keep dancing the same dance? And is this like, is anything changing from the last dance kind of thing? And really just assessing if it's changing or if it's really just the crux of it is just staying the mm. same. Mm. But it's hard. Yeah. It's really hard to know. And I think in a work mm. context, you were really lucky because you said you had amazing support. You were able to share your your dream and, and your mm. change of path and, and they kind of really got behind you. Absolutely. Which is a gift, I think, for anyone. Yeah. Um, some people listening might relate to your story of feeling just stuck. Like, yeah, yeah, my boss loves what he does because he's making great money and he kind of he's mm-hmm. bouncing out of bed, but this sucks for me. Like, yeah. I get paid shit and yeah. <laughs> no one appreciates me. And I know that if I just tell them, they're probably just going to want to replace me. So what would you say to someone listening that might have found themselves in your situation but is too scared to make a move? Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean. Um, so something that stuck with me, um, and I touched on this before, stuck with me for a while is I don't, I don't know who it was or where it came from, but I remember someone sort of saying, so – How's that working for you? So doing what you're doing or doing what you have been doing for so long, for so many years, how is that working for you? And asking yourself, like, is that, is there something you can do to change that rather than blaming in some ways the circumstances that are going on around you? Um and so that was one thing for me that um, was really singing loud and clear was especially in a relationship breakup, like how, how is that working for you? How you did it last time, you know, how, how you broke up last time, how's that working for you? Didn't work so well. So how can I do this differently kind of thing? And so, you know, in a work situation, I, I would – I guess it's it's asking yourself, is this really where you want to be right now? Um, and, and what is it about your job that's not working for you? Um, and I really don't think that um, – I was listening to this really great podcast with um, – Oprah Winfrey and Carolyn Mice on Super Soul Sessions where they were talking about your purpose and saying that, you know, um, if you have life, you have purpose. And so many people feel like they have lost their purpose or they have no purpose because they get stuck in the um, I should have or why did this happen to me or that kind of repetitive kind of pattern and and can't get out of it. And so I think it would be the first thing would be, all right, well, question what is it that you want and and take a step, take like one step, one baby step towards figuring out or asking yourself what is it that you want and, and where do you 
see yourself, where do you want to go? And kind of dreaming big as well. Like often I'll say to my team, like, think big, like think big. Like if you could have your ideal role in this, in this business, what would it look like? Tell me anything kind of thing. And I think that might be the first start is just, well, what do you want? What do you want to change? What are you not happy about? Um, and asking those kind of deeper questions to yourself. Mm-hmm. Mm. And I also think understanding that it doesn't happen overnight mm. and that just because you do find yourself in a shitty, unfulfilling job, it doesn't mean that you're not worthy. No. You know what I mean? And it's, I think you can get caught, in my experience too, you kind of just can get caught in the fact that, okay, I am where I am now and there's parts of my life that I'd like to change. And you kind of project into the future and then you realise that there's going to be a gap there. Mm. And if you're not really accepting of yourself in that gap, then you're going to get to that point where you're going to really love or accept yourself or you're going to be in your ideal life and you're only going to push it out in front of you. Absolutely. That next kind of, do you know what Mm -hmm. what I mean? So I think it's an important point to understand that, yeah, you might be working a job that you hate, but you're still worthy still be yourself, still, there's still meaning mm. in each of your days just because you're not at your, in your dream life. Um, so, yeah, I think yeah. that's really, really important and because the dream life, and then I'll let you go, yeah. it is a dream life because you're not there yet. You yeah. know what I mean? Like you kind of project it out into the future and you feel that the future version of yourself is going to be happy and settled and eternally Yep. That rest in this awesome life. Yeah. I mean, you've made massive, I mean, 2013 or 14 was mm-hmm. that Valentine's Day yeah. dinner? Yeah. You've got three yoga studios. You've come so far in such a short period of time. Based on what I've just said, how's that in your life? Um, I'm trying to ask it. I mean, do you ever find yourself pushing it out into the future or has setting these goals kind of released a deep sense of joy in you? Like mm. how does how does your life play out in, in the context of what I said? Yeah, so one thing that came to me as you were saying what you were saying just then was when I, when I reflect back on that past relationship that I, you know, got out of and my yoga practice, one thing that I decided to do then and there was to be present and to accept my life as it was, mm-hmm. which I had never done. I had always been, you know, dreaming of a better life, of a better partner, someone who would treat me better, treat me kind, all those sorts of things, hoping and wishing that the grass was greener on the other side. And it, was, it wasn't until, you know, that most past relationship where I was like, I am here this is my life right now. It might not be perfect or might not be what I want, but this is where I am and I have to accept that. Mm-hmm. And then from there I can observe it as I, I was, as, as I was saying before and then take steps to make some changes if changes needed to be made, mm-hmm. you know, after assessing. And so that I guess has really continued to be a strong focal point for me is being present And whilst the seed of a dream um, and a vision is there, it is not something that I'm – 
it's not the end journey for me. It's mm-hmm. being where I am now and then also realising that perhaps that's not – my path to get there might look a little bit different kind of thing. So, for example, the very first time I went to New York was probably – I don't know, maybe eight years ago or something like that. For whatever reason, I fell in love with the place, loved, like loved it so much. And I said to myself when I left, I want to live in New York for a year. And that, and that was it. I had no idea how I was going to get there. And, and I wasn't doing anything in my life to get myself there. Like I wasn't taking steps to save up or making plans to look for work over there. I wasn't doing any of that. It was just, I'd love to live in New York for a year. And so when Chris and I started talking about Humming Puppy and and starting to picture how we wanted to look and how we wanted to feel, we knew that it was going to be a very kind of on the outside luxurious experience that helped people connect to themselves like on a really deep level. And we knew that it would be very kind of New York style space. And so very early... You know, my big dream was, oh, my gosh, we've got to take this to New York. That that would be my dream. That that gives me my opportunity to live there. But even at that time, that was such a big dream because I'd never had a business in the, I guess, the fitness industry, you call it, or the yoga industry, nor had Chris. So I didn't know what I was doing. Um, but it was something that was kind of there in the distance. And, and to see it kind of evolve and to see us, you know, get there, um, is quite incredible. I'm really proud of what we've, you know, achieved and, and in such a really short time. Um, but it's been a, a huge process that has been overwhelming. It's been heartbreaking. It's like pushed me to my limits. Um, but it's also been um, very rewarding kind of thing. So, but the thing that I kind of, in all, in all of it is just being present, is just staying present, very aware of what's going on around you, very present to your state of being and, and how you're kind of feeling through all that and, and processing what's going on around you. Um, yeah, so being present is, is huge. Yeah. It's a game changer when you're truly present, mm. <laughs> you know, um, to conversations with people, um, you know, to listening to others, to, you know, running a business, taking on feedback from your staff, from your customers, like all that sort of stuff and, and being able to process all that without sort of brushing it to the side or ignoring or running away from. Um, but, yeah, being super present. Mm. Yeah, there's definitely something there about running a conscious business. I mm. think that there's some points there that you're alluding to in terms of and I know from you know our size of things of running beyond rest and the illusion of not the illusion but just I guess when you're working in xyz business and there's no purpose we talk about purpose Mm. and trying to find our purpose and checking in within ourselves and trying to work out what that purpose is and what's this business that I'm going to be connected to I know a lot of people have got that you know chatting to people all the time they want to get into a conscious business, mm. but as well to be aware at the same time, a conscious business can beat the crap out of you, yeah. <laughs> you know, in a, in a way that if you're not aligned, I think, Paul, you talk about it all the time, and 
you know, you're not aligned to, you know, your own truth or whatever it may be or it just beats you to get into a particular direction. And I've seen that so many people grow within Beyond Rest, like everyone that's worked around over the years and it's beaten a few people around but at the same time you come out the other side. Like Mm. what kind of advice would you give to someone who's, you know, they found their purpose, Mm -hmm. they're about to step into this new conscious business, what what would you give them, you know, some pearls of wisdom to kind of move forward with? <laughs> I think running a conscious business means you you really need to be um, uh, open to all the sensitivities and, and feelings that come up with that, you know. Like I think you can run a conscious business whether it's yoga or float tanks. In you could, That translates into being a lawyer or an accountant mm. as well. I Yep. really believe that. Um, but running, a, a, I guess, a conscious business in the space that I'm in um, is super challenging, you know, because every, it's all about feeling, you know. Our staff are feeling everything. Our students are feeling everything. And it is much more challenging than, you know, just running – an unconscious business. Um, you have to be much more open and available, I believe, um, to your team. You have to be um, more sensitive to their needs um, and you also have to be sensitive to your own needs as well and your and your energy levels and how much you can give and having boundaries as well. Um but I would just say go for it, you know, and be open to um, learning, to challenges, um, to everything that comes up for you because everything will come up for you, you know. You'll have these moments where you're like, what the F did I do this for or this is too hard or I can't deal with this, you know, it's overwhelming. Um, and there are definitely those those moments. Um but in the space that I'm in and, and that you're in, I think the the purpose behind what we're doing um, is so powerful um, and so impactful, not just on the people that we see, but the people that they connect to as well. You know, um, it's this beautiful ripple effect that what we have does on our clients' lives, our students' lives, and how that permeates into all areas. And so I would just say, yeah, just be willing, just be open is probably the first and foremost, just be open um, and be willing to um, to, what am I trying to say? Just be really open and willing to accept what comes your way but to know that you're stay true to your intention and your purpose and just be really clear on that so that your vision permeates through um, the business um, into the broader community. I think that's really, really good advice. I, I know from someone like myself running business for 18 years, if I listened to that 15 years ago, like what? What's yeah. that? You know, like that yeah. seems pretty simple. But, you know, looking back in terms of, you know, being in a purposeful business, I think it's absolutely key to 
stay connected to mm. why you're doing what you're doing and keep, yeah. keep going back to that because there'll be a lot of days where it's like, this is not fun. Yeah. This is not the dream. <laughs> this is not what this yeah. is this isn't what I set out to do. Yeah. Like we're waking people up and yeah. we're improving people's lives. Everyone hates each other yeah. today, you know, yeah. for whatever reason. Yeah. You know, not that everyone hates everyone yeah. every day, but it's just, you know, in, in terms of yeah, I th- I think that, you know, you can go into a conscious business and and think it's a certain way, but yeah, what you said really good mm. in terms of just staying connected to that and then be open to everything, the positives, the negatives. Mm. But if as long as you've got that little that little purpose and you're going to have days that you're really going, you know, I'm really not enjoying this whatsoever. Why did I create whatever I created? But then yeah. there'll be plenty of other days when you're just going to be looking at like, I'm so happy with what I do. If mm-hmm. Like this just provides for me and it doesn't, you know, I'm not pouring cash out of my pockets. It just keeps everyone ticking over and everyone's got a lifestyle and there's a community built around there. I think there's something stronger within that and the community that's there because my partner, Elise, Mm -hmm. loves Humming Puppy. Yeah. You know, and for her, it's her second home. It's a big, been a big part of her life in terms of the community within the yoga space and the friends. Mm -hmm. You know, she's got three or four really good friends through going to the space. So I think that there's something about that community that what you've created while you're running around crazy in New York going, (laughs) what did I do this for? You know, you've connected people. Yeah. And then reconnecting back to what you're doing in terms of the fact that in today's day and age in urban living, especially within Melbourne, that Mm. building local communities where people can be real with each other is, I I think that's where it's, what it's all about. Mm. Yeah, I think just being sincere. Yeah. Isn't it? Because everyone's going to make mistakes, and I know I've fallen into inaction before because I felt that it wasn't the right time. Like I needed to be at a certain place within myself to yep. take a positive step in the direction of my life. And I kind of think you can get in your own way. Like yeah, as long as your intent, intent, as long as what's fueling what you're doing is coming from a deep place, yep. then. It's okay. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to rub people the wrong way. You're going to have arguments. You're going to behave like a dick. Like you, you just are. You're going to. There's going to be. What, you're going to get to the end of the day and go, shit. Like I could have done that way better. Um, but I just think if you're sincere and you're not thinking that you've reached some mystical state where you're going to be able to <laughs> handle everything like an enlightened person, yeah. Then it's cool. And I just I found that in my life, just kind of like. You're, all, you're a work in progress till, you know, mm-hmm. you take your last breath. And I think for me that is a really beneficial way to look at things. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. And, I, and I, again, I think I'd just come back to just being open. Like yep. just be open. It's not going to be perfect and it's going to be hard. Um, but if you keep coming back to, you know, your your reason for doing this in the first place and, you know, I kind of keep coming back to all the time, like why, why yoga? Why did I want to become a teacher? Why did I want to open a studio? And it was to um, open up the practice or invite people to the practice who never thought that they would practice before. Um, and so... You keep coming back to that, keep coming back to that. You know, you read a feedback email that is like glowing. It's like, oh, this just this makes it all the most, it's, it's so worthwhile mm. um, when, you, when you focus on the good 
um, because, but there's always going to be some negative and some challenges that you've got to face and you just have to move through it. Mm. Um, you just have to move through it. But know that your intention and your purpose is true and right. And as you say, like it comes from like a deep place inside and the intention there is, is pure, you know. Mm. Here's a question. I think a lot of the things we've talked about today, practices, reconnecting, they involve a practice and then a period where you can then take that into normal life. Um, how do you find dealing with people where there's not that time lag, where you're not prepared, you're not, you could be a bit off-centre, you're not kind of like in, you're not the best version of yourself and something appears in front of you right there that you mm-hmm. have to deal with. Um, how do you deal with that in a way where, because I think we're talking about responding to an email or responding to a text or returning a call. There's always time for reflection. And of course you can kind of take that away and then come back to it. What when there's what about when there's not that time lag, mm. when you're having to deal with someone or something that's right there and you're not in that kind of place where you've come out of a spiritual practice how 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 do you how do we deal with those situations um and be true to ourselves and handle someone with care you know like yeah I think um one way or one thing or practice that I kind of do is just is just try to hold space for that person to say what they need to say Mm -hmm. um and to also kind of not be afraid to say, you know what, I just want to reflect on what you've said and then I'll get back to you kind of thing. Um, But I feel like, you know, stuff that comes through, like whether it's a student complaining or not happy about something or a staff member feeling the same way, is first and foremost just hold space for them as tight as you can for them to get out what they need to get out say what they need to say and then you can reflect on that from there um but I think just listening Mm. because half the time most people just want to be heard Mm -hmm. you know and they just they want to know that they're being heard um and so if you can just hold that space for them um often you'll see it sort of subside the energy starts to subside if you just let them talk rather than trying to fix the problem or um, give them suggestions or defend yourself or try and make it better. Just, okay, let's sit, let's listen, tell me how you're feeling. Mm-hmm. Offload on me and I, I will take it kind of thing. Um, so that, that would be my suggestion is just hold space for them as tight as you can and just let them know that you're hearing them. Mm. Mm. Just for someone that, because the first time I heard holding space, I didn't know what that meant. Like, yeah. what do you mean by holding space? So, basically, just giving them an opportunity to voice what they need to voice. So, mm. okay, tell tell me about that experience and how that made you feel. Um, and give please give me your feedback. I'm I'm here for you. I'm listening. I'm willing to listen to you. Um, I value what you have to say. Um, and just, th- I guess that would be the language that I would use to yeah, hold cool. space for yeah. them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah, I was just putting it for the for the normal person yeah. that 
as yeah, just like myself when I first started going into the <laughs> spiritual alternative world where people yeah. started talking about that, I had no idea what that meant. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that's a really good question. I think for me, it's extremely challenging because mm. I'm a fiery character, and so for me to sit there and what I found that getting a little bit better at it in terms of just trying to feel into the other person. I think even me, yourself and myself last week, I was not happy about a conversation that we had and then we talked about it again. I was like, I think I just reacted a little bit too much there and I think it's trying to feel into, you know, um, the other person and, and, you know, just feel into – so for me it's – I think I've talked about this again, but for me what works is just visualising like a bubble. There's all these to-do things and all these things and priorities and deadlines mm-hmm. and goals you got to get and stuff everywhere and just – and they're outside the bubble and you're just there with that person and then your reaction to, to them like not happy with something, whatever it may be, and just feeling into them. And I think I've done it a few times – Getting better at it the past, you know, year or the last couple of months, but still, it's a work in progress to your last breath. Um, but then, just feeling into that person to make them feel safe and secure, mm. and, and like you said, heard. Yeah. And and for me, that particular practice as a dude who can get fiery, you know, works for me. Yep. And I think also like holding space. You can sort of think of holding space in in a different way, like. You know, you guys hold space here in your physical space. Mm. Like how do you hold your clients in your physical space? You know, you you want to create a calm, um, you know, nurturing environment. You you want to make sure that your um, clients are, you know, know what to expect um, when they go into a float and that everything's explained to them so everything's really clear and, and so in a, in a similar way to a conversation with a person, I would sort of think of that tran- – for me that translates in the same way. So how I hold space for people that come into my studio is how I'd like to hold space for someone in a conversation. So I want I want them to feel calm, to feel held, to sort of know that they um, they, they kind of know where to go. Kind of, do you know, like as in – Tell me what you're feeling. I'm here for you. I'm mm. listening to you. Um, let me be a sounding board um, kind of thing. I don't know if that made sense. Yeah, but it does. It's just does. something that came to mind. <laughs> yep. oh, it's a tricky one. It's, I asked the question because it's very relevant in my life, I think. For the most part, I'm pretty calm. But yep. when I go, I go. <laughs> and for me, it's easy. You know, I find with close friends, male friends, sometimes it's just like, if you go and you both go, it goes and then it comes and it's mm. dissipated. And I feel sometimes I genuinely feel that's the best way mm. for things to get a bit fiery and it gets – and then you, you quickly come back to your centre. That's not always appropriate with other men and other women. There's, mm. there's so – people have so much of a past about anger and, and their mm-hmm. relationship to it, that it's it's a subtle thing. And I think what you said about feeling someone, it's an ongoing process of kind of like being able to walk that thing of do we resolve this now and it doesn't look pretty but mm-hmm. then we're kind of back or yep. 
do we take it and absorb it? And I think there still can be a little bit of positioning with that if it's done in a way that's not sincere. Um, but look, I think it's it's a bit of a rabbit hole, the conversation. Mm. So, mm. Um, but I think every, you know, I don't know, if you can sometimes get that sense when something's just released in a way that wasn't necessarily pretty and we move yep. on. Um, I'm definitely finding yeah. my way with that. It's um, it's a tricky one the way it plays out in my life. But I think that is it's fine. So I was having this conversation with Chris last week about something that came up for us in our business that like set us both off in mm-hmm. a not against each other, but it was like whoa, like and we were feeling all the emotions and the anger and you know <laughs> converse. It was like really heated and and there's. There's this kind of, you know, like you don't want to create more of it by staying in that space. But then there's also this, you know, thing that I've kind of been talking about with one of my other teachers is like this this um, idea of energy in motion. And it's like I'd rather get it out than have it sit in my body, in my 100%. physical body and manifest in another way. And so I think that expression of if you're angry, be angry. You know, if you're hurt, feel that hurt. If you're sad, feel the sadness. But it's a really fine line mm-hmm. between sitting in it and holding on to it to moving it through you and releasing and letting go of it. Yep. That's It's a fine line and it's hard to do. For sure. But and I think that's, you know, physicality sometimes does it. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, that's like. That's all you need. Go for a yoga session and it yep. is sometimes all you need. Yeah. But unfortunately, other times it's it's not. Yeah. And there needs to be a face-to-face and I think yep. with with texting rather than, I mean, even a phone call is too intimate for people. Yeah. In a lot of the time, it's like texting, like yeah, it's appropriate at a certain time, like SMS short message service. That's what it was originally mm. for. They Nokia didn't even know how big it was going to be. They were like so surprised when it went berserk. It's not a short message service mm. now. It's like <laughs> it's a way to get a point across that's not as honest and direct, yeah. you know, and I think a face-to-face is always the best, mm. in my opinion. Next best is a phone call and then from there, if it's a key issue, don't bother. I wouldn't yep. bother with an email. I wouldn't, unless you're in a different country, don't bother with a text because I think you're not, the seed's always going to be there if you are going about it in a mm, roundabout yeah. type of way. I so agree because we're, it's funny all this is coming up because we're going through that same process whereby, you know, we've received an email that maybe we've taken in the wrong way, maybe wasn't written in the way that we feel like it came across that way and so you know now we're having to get on a plane and go and have a face-to-face conversation to clear the air Mm. because there's no other way to clear the air in my opinion it's like no no I need to see you I need to see your expression I need to feel you and I need to know I can't do this over the phone I'm not going to send another email I'm out not doing it Um, and we need to have that face-to-face but yeah I find there's a, there's one in between there that's actually worked well for me because I yep. deal with obviously back in Perth and Brisbane mm. as well and dealing with the you know the guys and girls over there and video calls. Yeah. And there's it's the next best thing yes, and you get sure. the emotion and you get the the facial features and you know I know with myself running you know the business with my brother and you know he's over there and then we have a guy, I was like right get on <laughs> we get on the video call now dude you know and then yep. it's just fine. Yeah. 
we're not as like on the phone. It's just different. Whereas in face to face, I think it's the yeah. next best thing. So I don't. I don't yeah. know. Something that's worked for me is a video call. Not that mm. you know, if you're dealing with someone somewhere else, get on the video. If you can't meet them in person, yeah, I yeah think that absolutely. That's, FaceTime is like yeah. so great. It was a lifesaver when I was living in New York, and and I agree. It's yeah. You got to get on that FaceTime call. Yeah. You got to see them. You got to see the emotions, the for expressions. Sure. And it's you know. not always going to be tied up in a neat bow, you know. It's no, like face to face. Sometimes you're kind of together, and your eyes are darting all over the place because you're like pissed off. And it's <laughs> like, but eventually, if you're sincere in that interaction, mm-hmm. don't try too hard at it. Don't yeah. try and be mindful. I think I, I talked to you about mindfulness as a difference. Are we all right for time? Were you speeding us up before? No, no. I don't like mindfulness. This is again my. I'm on the podcast so I can say what I want. Um, Mindfulness, the way it's coming out at the moment, really annoys me. And the reason it annoys me is that I think it's taken – I don't believe that mindfulness should be taken into an interaction in a – in a kind of contrived way where, Mm -hmm. okay, I'm trying to be mindful. There's already two people in the interaction, which is a lot. Enough. Don't then try and – bring in another kind of mental gymnastics into mm-hmm. the into the picture to kind of be mindful about it. Like it's just – it's a very difficult thing to talk about, but the way I like to – the way I look at mindfulness is that it grows. It just does. Mm-hmm. Like mindfulness is cultivated through yoga, through meditation, through just living your life honestly. It just mm-hmm. kind of – you become more mindful, you become more present. And I think there's a lot around at the moment trying to kind of bring it in where it's not really appropriate. You know what I mean? I feel be yourself fully in an interaction and then after the interaction, step back, have a look at what went on. Be, you know what I mean? Like observe at that time. I just think that there's a bit of a bit around about mindfulness at the moment that gets a little bit too confusing, adding it into the heat of the moment. still think it's really important to be yourself which includes sometimes getting a little bit caught up in the interaction um, rather than kind of being a bit stuck in between. Mm-hmm. Being that, the Eckhart Tolle observer because not everyone can be that dude. Is that mm. what you're trying to say? Or yeah, It's a hard thing to talk about and I don't want to bore people, but it's essentially don't try too hard to be mindful. Yeah, so you, are you sort of saying like mindfulness will naturally arise mm. from being more present or being more observant? be more um, willing to get to know someone. Is that yeah, kind it, of what, rather than like mindfulness as a doing Coming thing. from the mind, yeah. an active kind, yeah. you know what I mean? Like yeah. I, I, in my experience, it grows. Yeah. I'm not mindful all the time, but I'm way more mindful day to day than I was five years ago yeah. because I take quite time to reconnect. I meditate. I do different types of things that cultivate what you would call mindfulness. I don't kind of inject it with my mind into a situation and just get more confused. Mm. So I think mindfulness can come from a lot of different places. It can come just from the mind and then there's a lot of confusion or it can come from a deeper place where for sure mindfulness is there because it's being cultivated and it's being shared. Mm. Again, my opinion might sound a bit strange, but there we go. (laughs) Questions? I think we're good on that one. We're good. Yeah. yeah. Um, how are we going? We, we want to – do you want to do the question? Well, you've got 
Next well, no, we, they, we, you, you Michael, I might cute little questions or your big question. Well, do you want to do the big question? No, no, no. It's your question. Yeah, well, what, it's your what, baby. I'm not here other times. No, no, no. Well, you got to do it next time. You're so. here, mate. Oh, you're here. I'm, you're passionate about well, it. Well, I well, hear well, Jackie, we've got this little question that we ask at the end. So, um, you know, there was a study done with people on their deathbed and what was their biggest regret, you know, when they were going out. And the biggest regret of the dying was that people wish they lived a life true to themselves rather than what others wanted them to live. You know, so in the context of that, how do you feel that you're living your life right now? Um, yeah, it's a great question and I pondered on it for a little while. Um, I, I definitely believe that I am living a life that is true to myself Um and I know that I wasn't doing that for 40 years of my life. So, but, but that said, I think within that there is this portion of me that also feels like I, I could be even truer to myself um, if I let go of a lot of stuff, like the guilt around different things, um, love, love, learn to love myself even more, you know. So I, I think I am, no, I believe that I am definitely living a life that is really true to myself finally. Um, and I believe it's evident in what I do and who I am and my interactions and the people that I have in my life. But, yeah, I think there's always, um, you know, little tweaks. You can refine that and I can let go of a little bit of guilt. And, of course, I can – who can't love themselves any anymore in the most pure sort of sense. Mm. Um, yeah, I – I feel really fortunate that I am. I'm not. I'm not doing anything because someone told me to, or I, you know, I'm not doing anything because that's what I was brought up to do. Or I am really living a life that I am so so happy with, um, and a life that I'm you know really proud to say that I'm living. You know, and and also, you know, as a mother, really setting those that example for my kids to know that you can turn your life around and you can um, anything's possible. You know, that's my thing at the moment. Like everything is possible. You know, and really believing in that kind of thing. Um, so yeah, I feel very fortunate about that. Mm. But because I know that's not how a lot of people feel. Um, but it all came from that self-love, learning to love myself, learning to understand who I was. Um, and, you know, like I said earlier, I'm building a relationship with myself rather than building relationships with others that weren't um, purposeful or, you know, of the right intentions. Um, so it all starts from in here. Great. Yeah. Can I ask my little Cuties? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Um, so a few little extra questions. Two versus one. So two parts of yourself that you're really are completely comfortable with and mm-hmm. and one part that you're like, mm, you know, it doesn't quite sit as well with you. It can be personality, it, you know, whatever way that hits you. Um, hmm. Okay. <laughs> um. Okay. 
Wow. There are, okay, so the part that I'm really, really comfortable with is probably that I, I know I'm on my right, like I know I'm on my right path. Mm-hmm. I know what my purpose is and I'm following that path with the truest of intentions. The part not so comfortable with um, is probably just the self-doubt that comes in and um, the judgment of perhaps feeling like I'm not good enough or don't deserve. That's the part I'm uncomfortable with Mm -hmm. um, that I'd like to completely shift. Um, Yeah, that that would probably be it, I think. Awesome. <laughs> um, Margatsny. I don't think you've heard the Margatsny yet. So Margatsny is Instagram backwards. Um, okay. And so my Margatsny question is, I think Instagram has its pros and its cons. Pros is that you get to share and inspire other people with your passion. Yep. Cons are the fact that people are trying to measure their life against your mm-hmm. 0.5%, you know, like the best 1% of your life. Yeah. And they feel inferior. They feel like what yep. you just said, you know, like undeserving, like mm-hmm. well, everyone else is having so much fun and I'm a worthless piece of yep. crap. Um, not always that bad, but somewhere in between, they just feel, you know, less than. So to make things more relatable, like what's what's a Margatsny for you? I think you just touched on it then, just feeling a little bit self-worthy, but what's an Instagram snapshot of you when you're at your most vulnerable or not feeling what appears on the rest of your feed? Give us that snapshot. Wow. In your quiet times. Um, all right. Well, it's <laughs> it's probably how I've been feeling the last, let's say, last month, yep. which has been uh, probably the last week has been the most horrendous where I'm feeling like my cup is just about empty, mm-hmm. um, where I'm feeling guilty because I can't be everywhere at once and I can't be everything to everybody. Where I'm feeling the pressure of having three studios and, um, you know, like I said, just trying to be everywhere for everybody. Um, yeah, and where, where I'm just like so just trying to hang on, to be honest with you, and, and I am very aware of that right now and I'm very conscious of how I am moving through that. Yeah, so it's quite raw for me at the moment, to be completely honest with you. Mm -hmm. I'm feeling really exhausted. Yeah. Exhausted from all of it. And I have had moments where I'm thought – and I've never had this, I'm like, if I could give this away tomorrow, I, I might just say yes. Yeah. Um, and that's something that I've never felt mm. before. Um, and to be honest with you, I'm, I'm okay with it all. I'm just sitting in it. I'm feeling through it. I'm very aware of it. And probably for the first time, like truly, truly, and, and Chris always says this to me, like you have to lean on me, you have to let me know how you're feeling because I'm very, I can be very um, 
determined. I can be very courageous on my own and I've, I've lived that way for so many years of I can do this on my own. I'm very capable. I don't need anyone's help. Now I'm feeling at the moment super vulnerable, super on edge um, and but also at the same time really, really open to being vulnerable to feeling all the feels, to crying when I need to cry, which is sometimes just at the drop of a hat for, I don't know, no real, there are, there are reasons, but it's the emotions. I feel of the last nine months of, you know, living in New York, setting up the studio, coming back home, finding my place back home again, dealing with three studios in, in different states and different countries and, and all the stuff that comes with that. So, yeah, and and it's funny, you, you've brought this up again. I mean, obviously it, it's all there in the air, but my next Instagram post, I feel, like, I feel like showing a picture of myself sitting in a corner just wanting to cry to show to people that that is not, you know, that is not how it is all the time. Mm. It's bloody hard. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's really hard. Yeah, and I think it's super important to share because we get these impressions that, you know, it would be easy to get that impression from mm. your, I, I don't have Instagram, so I haven't seen your page, but just yeah. you get, you think just because someone has a yoga studio and it's in luxurious locations that their life's just like whatever on a cloud yeah. all the time and yeah. it's not. And some people might be thinking, well, it's still pretty bloody good, but you can only play the hand you dealt yeah. and you've worked hard for what you've created, but you have your dark times and I think that's important for people to understand that we're all going through these places in ourselves, and not to compartmentalise them, you know. There's going to be highs and there's going to be lows and it's okay, you know. We'll move through them. Um, we can share and have mm. these discussions and it's all good. Exactly. It's always all good at the end of the day and, yeah, yeah thanks a lot for sharing you know, your vulnerability is there and in terms of, you know, that we all have, you know, in running the business and there's many a time as well with Beyond Rest, you're like, someone just wants this, they can have it, <laughs> yeah. you know, like, uh, yeah. you know, so I totally, totally understand and, and what you're doing, like, for people to understand, like, yes, having three studios is tough, but try having three studios, two in different cities, one mm. in another country. Mm. you know, miles away. So I can only imagine the mm. challenges that go with that, but to create something beautiful for these communities that you're building and that people will be drawn to and the resonance and the hum that, mm. you know, the people get that is unlike any other experience anywhere. So anyone in Melbourne, you go to Paran, Humming Puppy, yeah. just do it, yeah. you know, because um, it's a completely unique experience. I was telling a guy yesterday, like, just get down there and, and do it because it's so different. So looking at that just from the other side of the Mangatsky, I'll go instagram at the moment <laughs> that, you know, that you are building, you know, amazing communities and people actually li lives are better. And like I said before with my partner, Elise, it's it's made her stay in Melbourne so much more enjoyable. Mm-hmm. And it's been it, and it's her home, you know, in terms of the, the family, you know, that she's created through, you know, going to your studio. So there's definitely something that you've added, something beautiful within Melbourne and Thank in Sydney you. and in New York. Thank you. <laughs> and it's that that keeps me going. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> you know, when I'm feeling like this, it's that 
that keeps me going. Like I know, I know this is my path. I know this is my purpose. It's what I'm supposed to be doing. And I take full responsibility for putting my hand up and saying, I wanted this, you know, and and everything that's happening is happening for a reason, you know, to show to me and highlight to me what needs to change as well, the way that I do things and the way that I operate. And yeah, but that, thank you. <laughs> yeah, you're doing great things. Your thank studio, you. I've been there plenty of times and yeah, you're providing an amazing service and thank you. thanks for sharing who you are yeah thanks Kai thanks, thanks for having me thanks guys nice flow between you today so <laughs> good night <laughs>